Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. My mom was a German, Lutheran, kind of non-emotional person. She didn't show her emotions hardly at all. But when she was older, she said to me, You know, when you kids were in high school and staying out late at night, I could never sleep till every kid was safe back in the house. That kind of surprised me. <laughs> and I read this quote. Listen to this quote from Elizabeth Stone. Making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. <laughs> I was talking to a mother yesterday, and her kids are long grown, but she still agonizes if something happens to her 30-year-old daughter. Well, today's story is of a mother who is heartbroken because her little girl has a demon. And let's learn from this woman about how to beg God for your children. Would you take out a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, and let's pray first. Father, we have so many people, I'm sure, that are watching this whose children or grandchildren are in trouble. And Lord, we would pray now you would teach us how to beg you for our children. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. And from there Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, that would be Gentile, non-Jewish country. And he entered the house, and he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Here's the first lesson for today. God has a timetable. Do you ever wonder why Jesus sometimes would hide or he'd tell people, don't tell anybody I healed you? I think part of it was so he could walk around without being mobbed, but there's a deeper reason. I think Jesus wants to hide his Messiahship. In 32 AD, the Jews expected the Messiah to come, kill Pontius Pilate, throw the Romans out of Jerusalem, and set himself up as king. That's not why the Messiah came. So Jesus has to hide the fact that he's the Messiah to accomplish the real messianic mission, which is to die on the cross of our sins and rise from the dead. And once that's accomplished, the gospel will go out all over the world. But the timetable right now is for people not to quite know who Jesus is. And I want you to apply that to your life too. Take comfort from this. God has a timetable for your life. Don't worry about when you're going to die. God has all that timed out. I get that from Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes, Lord, saw my unformed substance. That's me in the womb. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So God has your days numbered. Take comfort in the fact that God's got a timetable for your life. Verse 25, 
But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of Jesus and came and fell down at his feet. Here's the next lesson. Bring your troubled children to Jesus. This woman was desperate. She brought her, her concern to Jesus. Do you know we got lots of demons today in America after our kids? Number one, as far as I'm concerned, is internet pornography. My friend told me he caught his seven-year-old daughter looking at internet pornography for three hours. He, he checked the history and, uh, and, and he said, I don't think she's a pervert, she's just curious. I mean, we've got um, uh, violent video games. Now we've got school shootings, drugs. I mean, America, the, the kids of America are under attack by the devil. And what I learned from this woman is bring your children to Jesus. And what I mean by that is pray regularly for your children. Have daily devotionals with your children. Talk to your kids about God. Pray with your children regularly. Read them Bible stories. But make sure you go to church with your kids and they're in Sunday school. But uh, we need to bring our children to Christ today. There was a shepherd. And he counted his sheep before he went to bed. Three were missing. Terrible snowstorm. But he pointed to his dog and he said, go. And the dog knew that this meant he's to go into the storm. And he, he went and he, he brought one sheep back. The master said again, go. After a while, the second sheep returned. One more time, go. And it took a long time, but finally the dog came back with the third sheep. But the master noticed blood on the snow. He put the dog in his pen, put the sheep in the, in, in, in the barn, and in the morning he called for his dog. The dog didn't come. He went to see the dog, and it was cold, dead, because for the third sheep, the dog had to fight a wolf, and it killed him. And I read this. Jesus Christ has sent us forth in search of his lost sheep, Shall a dog be more faithful to her master than we are to ours? Are we willing to go out into the world and brave the storms and brave criticism to be loyal to our master? You've got to fight for your kids. I, I know a Christian mom and her children, I think, were being taught awful stuff in public school. She went to the public school. She took a stand, and I think she won. <laughs> but we need to fight for our children today. And now for one of the most difficult verses in the New Testament. Here we go. Mark chapter 7, verse 26. Now the woman was a Gentile, that means a non-Jew, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children, he means the Jews, be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That would be the Gentiles. In this verse, Jesus is calling the non-Jews, the Gentiles, dogs. <laughs> but that verse also makes me believe the New Testament, because nobody would have made up this verse and put it on the lips of Jesus. It's too problematic. So let me tell you what I think is going on in this verse. The, Jesus came first and foremost for the Jews. The Old Testament promises were made to the Jews. And, and Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 15. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So for Jesus' three years of ministry, he goes after the Jews. Now, later, 
the disciples will take the gospel to the Gentiles, to the whole world. But for this moment, Jesus is going after the Jews. So here's the lesson I learned. God saves whom he wants, when he wants. God saves who he wants, whom he wants, when he wants. You know, we're to pray for our unsaved loved ones, we're to witness to them, but ultimately, you leave it to God. I got an email a while ago from a woman who's been living in China for seven years. Now she's back in the United States. I'm quoting here. What has happened to the Christian churches in the U.S.? I just don't remember there being this many so-called Christians who think they are Christians and let, yet live in sin. Men training to be pastors who are addicted to pornography. Women teaching children Sunday school yet sleeping around. Men with alcoholic problems and abusing their families. Pastor marrying couples who are living uh, and sleeping together, etc. And, and the letter goes on and she's very depressed. And I wrote her back and my point was, you can go crazy trying to save unsaved people who don't want to be saved, or you can pray for them, witness to them when you can, but ultimately leave it to God or you'll go crazy. <laughs> Verse 28, but she, the mother, answered Jesus, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Here's the next lesson. Jesus finds faith in unlikely places. This Gentile woman, who probably didn't know the Bible, has faith in him. And the people who were supposed to have faith in him, the Pharisees who knew their Old Testament, didn't have faith in Jesus. You know, never try to guess who God's going to give faith to. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that Norma Corvey of Roe versus Wade, who fought to get abortion legal all over America, all of a sudden, she's a born-again Christian, and now she preaches against abortion in America. So, the son of Sam murderer, David Berkowitz, is now in a Bible study in a federal prison. He's become a Christian. <laughs> and sometimes the people you never thought would have faith end up having faith, and sometimes the people who are supposed to have faith don't. Let me give you two examples. U.S. Air Force Chief of Chaplains Major General Howard Stendahl delivered the opening prayer at the Pentagon's observance of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Pride Month, an annual event now by proclamation from the White House. Did you know that? Our president has proclaimed this now. Every year they're going to celebrate this. Here's what he prayed. God, open our minds and help us set aside limitations of prejudice of any kind. Gordon Klingenschmidt, a former chaplain, wrote these words, We should not be proud. We should be ashamed that America is embracing sin. It's shocking to me that the opening prayer for this ceremony actually called upon God to endorse homosexuality from a, the lips of a Christian chaplain. That's bad. My second example is even worse. I'm a Lutheran. I'm not an ELCA Lutheran anymore, and you should leave the ELCA for a more biblical branch of Lutheranism. Let me tell you why. The ELCA Lutheran Bishop of Oregon, his name is Dave Brower-Reike, wrote this article. While some complain that allowing same-gender couples to marry will weaken or destroy the institution of marriage, I would have to say exactly the opposite. 
far from destroying it, same-gender couples may actually save the institution of marriage. Many such couples I know have long and stable relationships which they want to make fully legal, fully accountable, and which they recognize as a gift from God. What's not to love about that? And then get this. Our recent Assembly of Oregon Lutherans also passed a resolution to stand in opposition to any and all attempts to legalize discrimination in the name of religious freedom. You know what he's talking about? They were trying to pass a, a law that Christian caterers, florists, uh, photographers who don't want to do a gay wedding because it's against their conscience, they were going to try to protect that. Not with this Lutheran bishop. He wants to force those Christians to violate their conscience. My point is, sometimes where you don't expect to find Christian faith, you find it. And where you're supposed to find it, you don't find it. <laughs> Verse 29. And Jesus said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Next lesson is persist in prayer for your children. Jesus rebuked this woman a little bit, but then she came back and she persisted for her daughter. You know, parents... Never stop praying for your children. Never stop praying for your ch grandchildren, no matter how dark it gets. I've got three pages of people I have been praying for for their salvation. I started this when I was about 20. I've been praying for these people for about 40 years, and I think I'll pray for them till my dying breath. Persist in prayer for your children. Verse 30. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Next miracle. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Here's the next lesson. God uses physical things to touch us. I mean, Jesus could have healed this man the way he did the girl's daughter. Jesus healed that woman's daughter long distance without even seeing her. But for this man, for some reason, he gets up and he touches him and the spit and everything. So why did Jesus do it that way? Well, it doesn't say, but I've got to guess. <laughs> I think physical things help our faith. I mean, I can tell you your sins are forgiven. But there's something about eating the bread of Holy Communion, drinking the wine and hearing the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. There's something about the physical touch that helps me believe it. God normally doesn't zap people from heaven. He uses bread and wine. He uses another human. He uses things to touch us. I read this story about Joey. The choir director said these words. Joey was not very bright. He would never leave the church at night till he could shake my hand. He would stand right next to me until the last person had gone by in order to shake my hand. Sometimes it was embarrassing. One evening, a man came forward to speak to me. He said, I want to thank you for being so kind to Joey. He isn't quite bright and has never had anything he enjoyed so much as coming here and singing in your choir. He works hard during the day in order to be ready to come at night, and it is through him that my wife and my five children have come to know the Lord. His grandfather, 75 years old and an atheist all his life, and his grandmother came here tonight. Now the entire family have been converted to Christ. 
God uses people to touch people. You probably didn't get converted because of some lightning bolt out of heaven. Probably God used a person to touch you. Last verse here, verse 35. And Jesus looked up to heaven and he sighed and he said to the man, Ephatha, that's Aramaic for, be opened. Here's the next lesson. Jesus felt the weight of the world's sin. It says he sighed, and then he healed the man. He's going to sigh in the next chapter too, in Mark chapter 8, when the Pharisees ask him to perform a sign to to make them believe, and he goes, it says he sighed. You know, my, my point is this. Every Christian should sigh periodically. I mean, this is a dark, sinful world. That woman that wrote me the email who was so upset about America, I wrote her back. I said, you're right. It's good you're upset about America. But I told her, don't live there. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength, according to the Bible. So do like Jesus did, sigh and grieve over what's happening to America. But then don't live there. Move on, pray, and get the joy of the Lord back. Verse 35. And the man's ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, Jesus, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Here's the last lesson. Jesus does the impossible. (laughs) He did it here, he does it today. Can I tell you? I think the fact that you're watching the show right now shows that Jesus does the impossible. I don't know how to raise money. I'm not a good fundraiser. I don't know how to do technical stuff. I can't run a camera or edit anything. That's not me. But God has given us volunteers that are doing all of this for free for our ministry. we're on national TV now, on DirecTV and Dish Network. We're on in Minneapolis like we've been for 25 years, but now we're on all over the country. It's expensive to buy monthly time to be on the air. It's coming in. <laughs> I don't know how God's doing this, but the fact that you're seeing this show, uh, God does the impossible. So my hope for you is if you've got a child who's hurting, regularly till the, your dying day, Pray for that kid, and it ain't over till it's over. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. And we invite you, if you're watching this program and have a question that you'd like Pastor Brock to answer, to send those to our website, and we'll take them. Uh, ask that question of Pastor Brock at a future date. Pastor Brock, you said God has a timetable. But how does a person go about discovering what God's plan is for their life? Well, we're not going to know. I mean, Paul kind of knew. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Simeon, the old man in the temple when Jesus was a baby. God told him, you're not going to die until you see the Christ. And, and then he, he saw the Christ and he said, okay, Lord, now you can let me depart in peace. But overwhelmingly, the great majority of us have no idea what day we're going to die and we're not supposed to know. But how do I know God's plan for my life? 
for that, I mean, Jackie, I thought I was going to be a filmmaker. That's why I went to college. And within a year and a half, I discovered this is not God's plan for my life. And for the next year and a half, I prayed, okay, God, what? I mean, yesterday I was talking with a college student. How do you know? what you're supposed to. And I said, that was a bit of a headache for me for a year and a half. And then finally God made very clear to me, I'm to be a preacher. But it took a year and a half. So some of this, you just got to struggle in prayer, talk to other people about it. And then in his time, he'll show you. Okay. You, you know, we talked about children in this sermon and that, I guess, what advice do you have for a parent or maybe even a grandparent? Mm -hmm. Because grandparents can have a big impact on their Indeed. children's children. Sometimes more. Right. So how should you do devotions with children? Yep. And are there any books that you yep. would recommend yep. that are good devotional books? You know, I just want to say to everybody watching this show, be you a parent or a grandparent, pray with your kids. And Jackie, I, I don't want to be critical, but the Christianity in my family growing up was pretty not deep. And our prayers consisted of at the table saying, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. And that was about it. And I want to encourage people, when you have your prayer at the table, if you want to say that, fine. But then, okay, what else should we pray for? And then have somebody pray a real prayer that doesn't come off as a nursery rhyme. And, 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 go in, and so pray regularly with your kids. Pray with them before they go to bed. Read by, you know, Jackie, I found Inga Meyer's Bible story book at a garage sale. And I bought it for 50 cents because this, when I was a little boy, the one thing my mom did do with us is now and then, not as much as she should have, but now and then she would open up Elsie Angemeyer's Bible storybook. And what I remembered about this was the neat color pictures. pictures. So I picked it up for 50 cents. And, and just, you know, there, there's a, if you go to the Christian bookstore, go to the children's section. What I would have loved as a kid, it's this thick. It's a comic book of the entire Bible. I loved comic books as a kid. You read the Bible like a comic book. And the story we just heard of the Syrophoenician woman, it's in there, and here's a woman bringing you know, her daughter, and you, could, you read it like a comic book. That's all you need to do. Just buy that one book and read a different story every night to your kids, and then pray with them. I have that same book, and it came as a gift from my grandmother, <laughs> and Tom and I talked about that before the show. Yeah. I have a green one, and his is brown, so, and I don't know what my grandmother And I don't paid. think, they probably haven't <laughs> been printed for 40 years, but anyway. Um, you know, you said God saves whom he wants, when he wants, but doesn't God want everyone to be saved? Mm -hmm. Well, the Bible says that God is not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. That's true. The Bible also says, Romans chapter 9, God hardens whom he wills, and he have mercy on whom he wills. So it, salvation, does not depend upon the man who runs or the man who wills, free will. It depends on God who has mercy. The question is, how do you get, the Bible does not contradict itself. The question is, how do you get the fact that God holds us responsible for what we do with Christ and he predestines everybody? That's what I was just going to yeah. ask you, yeah. is then how does predestination yeah. fall into and, this? And it, 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 the Bible teaches predestination. I personally don't see free will in the Bible. I don't think I can come to Christ on my own free will. I I would never do it because I love sin too much. The only reason Tom Brock came to Christ is because the Holy Spirit somehow brought me to Christ. So I don't believe in free will. I think we're all sinners. We have a will, but it's a sinful will. Only when the Holy Spirit overcomes our sinful will do we come to Christ. All right, so how do we put together God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that he hardens whom he wills, has mercy on whom he wills. This to me is 
maybe the first question I want to get when I ask when I get to heaven, because I'm not sure how to put it all together, but both are true. Okay. Pastor Brock, you know, in this world today, we're just seeing so many things happening in America that how does a Christian not get depressed? Uh-huh. Well, I think... Or is it wrong for a Christian well, to be it's, depressed? Well, it's, it's, it's wrong to live there. But, Jackie, my concern is a lot of Christians don't seem to care what's happening to America. They don't care that we've got gay marriage now, and they'll vote people... Christians will vote people into office who are pro-abortion, pro-homosexual marriage. And my concern is, what have we got to do to upset some of these Christians? It's healthy to be upset. Now, it's not healthy to live there. We need to take our concerns. We need to pray for America, pray for the president, and then move on to the joy of the Lord. But, you know, they called Jeremiah the weeping prophet because he lived in a period of apostasy, and he was supposed to weep. Okay. Um, if you have a person, a loved one, or somebody in your life that doesn't want to hear about Jesus when you try talking about Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. Should you keep bringing Jesus up to that person? Uh, I have this problem with some of my family members and I always pray before I pick up the phone, Lord if I'm supposed to say something this time. I mean my family has heard the gospel from my lips more than once and now I often bite my tongue. Uh, it, sometimes I feel nudged to say something and I do that. I think the only answer to that is you've got to be very sensitive in prayer to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit nudges you to be quiet, you're quiet. When you can't help but open your mouth, open your mouth. <laughs> yeah, the discernment part of that is what's difficult it for is. the average Christian, and, I think. And that's why pray about it, but also talk to somebody about it. You know, what do you think? Do you think I should do anything more with my mm -hmm. uncle? Or, yeah. Okay. Do you think that God is still doing miracles today? Mm -hmm. I do. And, you know, there are some very conservative churches that teach that all the miracles stopped when the New Testament was completed. That's what I was going to ask yeah. you about because there is that teaching. There is that teaching, and gratefully it's not very big. There aren't many churches that believe that. But some churches teach that not only the miracles but the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues, prophecy, all that stuff stopped when the New Testament was completed. My response is, where is that in the Bible, that God is going to stop doing miracles after 100 A.D.? It's not in the Bible. So I believe God, I, we have to be careful. There are fake miracles, too, that people do. And some of these TV faith healers, I, I, I question some of the stuff that they do. But I don't doubt that God truly heals people today. I think you're seeing some of the technology as a gift from God, that we yep. have people that can be healed now that... Yep. Fifteen years ago, there was yeah. no cure. Yeah, that's right. And you so know, even even modern medicine is a gift from God. Okay, yeah. we have thirty seconds left, okay. and so yeah. if you're watching this program, you're probably watching it because you're watching on the Dish Network. As Tom said, we're in the Twin Cities on a regular basis, twenty-five on, years. On cable, yeah. On Channel Six, Metro Regional Channel, you can check the schedule for that. And, and go to our website, pastorstudy.org. You can watch our TV show at any time. We're also on in Rochester and, and uh, Wichita. But yeah. Thanks for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Mm-hmm.